0: What's going on, everybody? It's old man Wade. I had a bit of an issue with the first six minutes of the episode, so I ended up having to delete it. But don't worry, we have a bunch of really good topics coming up. SZA and only hiring people of color with cameramen, which we both thought was dope. Naomi Osaka dropping out of the French Open due to mental health issues and the way they mistreated her by fining and potentially expelling her from the French Open. And we ended with nba fans and somehow that turns into a topic of people of privilege and and everyone being stupid and we got some bonus content coming up miss telekinesis talar herself is up after that to discuss some nba topics so sit back and enjoy the show year old ah! damn it wade that we have via the independent scissor says she turned down magazine cover opportunity after outlet refused to hire black a black photographer uh scissor has revealed she turned down a magazine's cover offer after the outlet reportedly denied a request to hire a black photographer for the photo shoot the kiss me more sing uh, singer shared her experience on twitter on tuesday where she wrote i requested a black photographer for a cover and the mag told me no it's 2021 In almost June. And, um, told... uh, Excuse me. I requested a black photographer for a cover, and the magazine told me no. Laugh Out Loud is 2021 and almost Juneteenth. um, Juneteenth. Respectfully, I can't do that.
1: Thoughts? I mean, I get it, like, why she said it, and why she wanted... Yes. You know, like, ask for a person of color. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with it.
0: I... I actually really love it, to be honest with you. Beyonce did the same thing when she walked into a sneaker company and everyone there was no like black representatives there and she like walked out and was like, No. Like we're not doing this. Like I, I want I wanna work somewhere where the people that I'm selling my clothes to are represented well in the company that I'm working for. And I rock with that. I rock with the fact that other like other celebrities have been doing it. I know Brie Larson during her her tour or um Publicity tour, would you call that, for a movie? Publicity tour for um, Captain Marvel was, like, she's only working with, like, women doing a tour. And I was like, I dig it.
1: Well, because, okay, so people are doing stuff like that, so representation happens in mainstream, like, Hollywood or mainstream, like, media and media outlets or whatever because women have been excluded or people of color have been excluded and if you're doing these shoots and you're doing these tours and you're doing these things and you have the opportunity to give somebody a chance that wouldn't normally be given a chance just because they hire the same white dudes they do constantly it's understandable also depending on the shoot and stuff and who you are like it it, it's that argument that I went to before with having like the right people there for if you're if you're a woman of color, like that know how to do your hair, that know how to do your makeup, that know how to pose you, that know how to like capture you the appropriate way, the way things are seen through different lighting, the way it changes with skin tone, skin color, like everything changes and a lot of people don't realize that either.
0: So I have like ar- yeah, Well,
1: ahead. because I so I brought I bring this up for a reason, like in a sense, like because so like I saw a post the other day where a girl on a traveling group asked for recommendations from women of color for uh, sunscreen lotion. Yeah. And everybody was giving her things and then of course this poor me white girl came up and was like I just think it's rude that you're excluding other people. I had melanoma. I could have great, um, you know, I could give you great recommendations for good sunscreen. Went on this whole rant about why are you excluding blah, blah, blah. So it was great, though, because another white girl kind of clapped back at her and was like, so here's the thing that maybe you're not understanding. The reason why she's asking women of color is because sunscreen is not, geared towards women of color sunscreen is geared towards white people so when you are of color and you put regular like white sunblock on your skin even though you rub it in it gives you a great cast it makes you look ashy and dull it 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 just doesn't sit on your skin well because you are of color and the and the girl went on a whole thing about it and And she was like, you know, instead of reading it as you being excluded, maybe you should understand that these women are excluded. And that's why they have to specify these questions. Bingo. So, same thing with like, you know, actors and actresses of color or women asking for women. It's like, I want somebody who understands who I am. I want somebody who knows. About me, about my culture, about how we do things, how to dress me, how to pose me, that is appropriate for me and what I look like. Or, you know, just wanting to support people who look like you to make everything geared towards everyone of different, you know, backgrounds, genders, races. It just, so for me, I don't find it bothersome. I think a lot of white people that get offended by it, don't understand the full gravity of why they're asking for certain things. Yes. Or they want to believe that, oh, now we're singling out white people and you don't want... It's not that. It's giving honor to other people versus keeping the same people doing the same shit over and over and over and over again.
0: Yeah. So, I just will also... I want to... found the uh, Brie Larson article that I was talking about. It actually kind of goes to that. Brie Larson isn't letting her Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel press tour be overwhelmingly white and male. Yeah. Brie Larson is committed to making her press tour Captain Marvel as inclusive as possible. For her recent interview with Mary Claire, the Oscar-winning actress handpicked uh, Kia Brown to be her interviewer. Brown called the designation the biggest opportunity she's had in her career, and noted that nobody usually wants to take on a chance with a di- disabled journalist. By becoming more active in determining um, determining her press opportunities, Larson is hoping to heighten inclusive voices. She uh, Larson goes. About a year ago, I started paying attention to my press days, what my press days look like, the critics reviewing movies, and notice of it. And, um, and notice it appeared to be overwhelmingly white male. Larson said when she was asked about her reason by choosing Brown as her interview. So I spoke with Dr. Stacy Smith at um, USC Berg Inclusion Initiative, who put together a study to confirm that. Moving forward, I decided to make sure my press days were more inclusive. After speaking with you, the film critic Clary Complex, and a few other women of color, it sounded like across the board they weren't getting the same opportunities as others. They weren't getting the same opportunities as. Others, excuse me. When I talked to the facilities, they weren't providing it. They had all had to be. Um, different excuses yeah i rock yeah. with that i absolutely rock with that
1: because i mean we also live in a world where like one white male hand feeds the next white male hand because they keep each other employed it's it's uh what do you why, why can't i think right now of the word oh my god
0: i know i essentially uh, what you're saying um like
1: even in jobs it happens like um oh nepotism yes nepotism it's keeping money within the group of people that you know. It's keeping your people, you know, going through the system and not allowing new talent, probably really talented people, be showcased because you just, you you keep the money within your circle or you keep the people who you think are important paid and, and having jobs because that, that's the way it's always been. And that's the one we blah, blah, blah. Sometimes they don't even look outside of the box. Mm-hmm. And people don't like, and a lot of times, sometimes people don't even realize it because when you are white, you are, you can be easily cataloged, ca- not cataloged, catalyst to the top immediately, no, no, knowing that, knowing certain people or being within certain circles or like opportunities that someone else may not have. Mm-hmm. because they don't come from your background or look like
0: you. Exactly. Um this is one of the reasons why I love the platform and I, and this is I'm patting myself on the back a little bit, but because it's like I learned so much from the women in my life who come on the show. When we had the ladies lounge, when we had a uh, Carmen, Carmen, uh you Amanda, um Shanice and all of y'all coming on here. I learned so much listening to you guys, you women because these are things I don't know as a man. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, no, and especially like being a woman of color in general, nothing is fucking geared towards women of color. Not clothing, not.
0: Unless another woman of color doesn't.
1: Not, yeah, no, it's very. And people don't even. Even the way we buy our clothes and and how they fit is completely different because they make clothes for stick figured white women that have no curve, no shape, no. I mean, that is starting to change. It's starting to get better. Like, clothes are starting, you're able to find nicer clothes now. Like, Even at my smallest, I've always had big hips. I've always had like, you know, a big chest. I've always been curvy. I've never been straight sick figure. And I've always had problems finding clothing because of it, because Mm -hmm. it's not made for me. It's made for a size two white girl with no tits and no ass and no shape. No yeah. offense, sorry, but that—that's they—they toy—they—they they play with it. That idea. That's why supermodels look the way that they do. That's how they feel. Clothes should be seen on women like that. So it's 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 important in general just to have representation. To have as a woman, as a woman of color, as uh, you know what I mean. Like opportunities don't just happen for people like that. It should.
0: Yeah. So but we, it uh, doesn't. Um. Da, 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 da. So we have so, but we are speaking on that. You have somebody like Ashley Graham, who was um one of the first, if not the first, plus size swimsuit model. Mm-hmm. Um, and like she like she was a, um, a woman who broke the mold and was like, you know, this is what we're gonna do. You have Rihanna... They're
1: starting to yeah, yeah add even big women. Like it's not.
0: Oh my god, the, which um... is
1: another like thing that people don't consider either is like women of size and automatically thinking that they're unhealthy and treating them less than and not understanding that even like medical conditions, like my medical condition. I gained 100 pounds, my cholesterol is great, my blood pressure is great. Everything about me physically, I'm not diabetic, I'm not whatever, but I am overweight, but it's from medications and a disease that I have no control over. Yeah. So, like, even just having inclusivity, even with, like, being a plus size like, woman is, like, super important, too. Like,
0: so you're plus size there's a you're lot bi- of, like,
1: again, there's so many marginalized groups that are separate from straight white males mm-hmm. that people don't understand. If we fought for this across the board in and, and every marginalized group, things would be better.
0: Do you know the funny thing about that? And even if you're thinking, even if someone was thinking from just strictly a financial standpoint, there's money in this. There's money. There's more options for other people. There's weight. Like, you know what I mean? Like, let's take, I always use the comic book um, scenario because that's what I know. When you have your first um, female woman leading a comic book in Kamala or Kamala Khan, people start to take notice. Mm Mm-hmm. That now brings money to Marvel. That also brings attention to young Muslim women who may not have had a comic book character representation. Miles Morales, he's not just black, he's not just Puerto Rican, he's black and Puerto Rican. And he always reminds people when they go, well, you're black, and he always goes, and Puerto Rican. Like, you know what I mean? He's proud of his heritage. He's proud of who he is. Like, you know what I mean? So you get these ideas. Where you get people who look like you like I would have loved to have had like Luke like um Luke Cage who wasn't a stereotype when I was like in, in the 90s mm-hmm. or like you know what I mean all I had was like Bishop and storm like you know what I mean those those were my options at that point or the Falcon and it's like no really like no one really knew about him like you know what I mean I had or like war machine but even then war machine was kind of like eh. like you know what I mean his name was even Rody like mm-hmm. you know what I mean and if you if you and if you know music and you know bands you know what a Rody yeah like you know what I mean so even his name is kind of fucked up so Mm -hmm. like representation is important these people are so caught up in like keeping everything white and male that they don't that they're they're suffering they're like their pockets are suffering where it's like inclusion it can be a peaceful wonderful thing and these are the same people who eat Chinese food they'll eat soul food they'll go to a they'll go to a Korean spot they'll go eat sushi but then they'll go like they'll say fuck black people fuck Asian people like you know what I mean they enjoy yoga um not realizing, like excuse me, Americanized yoga, not really like realizing that yoga is a is something foreign and not what they're doing. You like you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's it's a hilari- it's not hilarious in a way like haha. It's just it's bothersome, it's befuddling, and I really wish people would actually like get their shit together because people are fucking disgusting. Mm. Um and staying on the on the trend of what we're talking about with um situations um that involved black people. We have Naomi Osaka, who is, I believe, the number one and number two tennis player in the world. Um, she and this was she posted four days ago when this came out. Hey everyone, this isn't a situation I ever imagined or intended when I posted Oh no, oh no, this is something different. So Naomi Osaka decided that she wasn't going to Um do any press. Mm-hmm. she was talking for the
1: French Open for the
0: French Open I'm like
1: you need background here <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah So for the she's French- a
1: tennis player
0: <laughs> well I said that <laughs> so like she was just like I'm not doing press for the, test- uh, for the French Open like there's anxiety she has like, um, like she has anxiety when speaking to people and she spoke about how a lot of these press they like it like kind of like I think psychs her out is the right term for it like you know it kind of mm-hmm. gets in her head and so for her it's not something that she felt comfortable doing it was giving her anxiety Now, mind you, when she put this out, it was still um, Mental Health Awareness Month, right? Mm -hmm. So you figured that this would be a a situation where people would understand what she's going through. Nope. Later on, we found out that Naomi Osaka was fined $15,000 and threatened with expulsion for avoiding media at the French Open.
1: Well, I mean, we had a discussion about this. First, I think it's bullshit that they force any athlete to do media and do whatever. I don't think that it's fair. If I'm an athlete and I don't wanna do media, that should be my business and my problem. Like that that, that goes to my popularity and how I'm gonna see be seen and if I choose not to do it then whatever. My and my other thing is is I think it's completely ridiculous to force someone to do something that against their will that gives them such high anxiety. Um, it is a mental illness. It is it is something out of her control. And people will argue, well, she plays tennis in front of everyone. It's completely different. Like, you can tune those people out. But when you're being directly spoken to and having to be in front of the camera, while well, 50,000 people ask you questions and you're trying to figure that out, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. And I was saying to you, if I was her, like, I would fucking sue the shit out of them. It's against disability rights, right? But, mm-hmm. like, I guess... If it's in France, like, can she sue for that? I don't know how it works there, what their, um, what their laws are on disability and whatever. But I think that culture in general in sports should change. I don't, it is not my problem to market, market for my company. And I don't understand why they force people to do this. Even, we talked about it before, like, in basketball, like, They force these dudes to do this, and then they're like, fine, you know what? I'm just going to go up there and be like, I'm being forced to do this, so So, I'm going to
0: do it. (laughs) So so I want to give the audience who may not know this two examples of two of my favorite moments in situations like that. We had one in the 1990s with Rasheed Wallace after he lost a game to the Lakers in the playoffs, and every question was both teams played hard. And after the third or fourth question, maybe the fifth question, when they were like, well, okay, thank you for your interview, he goes, thank you, God bless you, and good night. And I laughed my ass off. Mm-hmm. Marshawn Lynch I want to say four or five years ago didn't want to do press he got fined he comes back or he was to be fine so he went to the went to the press conference and got on there and said I'm just letting you know right now I'm here for X amount of time and am I answered every question will be I'm only here so I don't get fined mm-hmm. and they laughed. they thought it was a joke first question I'm just here so I don't get fined next question I'm just here so I don't get fined and that was the whole thing the entire time at one point he looks over at one of the uh, reporters and goes hey I'm only here so I don't get fined. Then someone asked him a goofy question. He answered it because it had nothing to do with football, or, or maybe it was like one of his endorsements, like Skittles or something like that. And then the next question was about football. I'm only here so I don't get fined. Yeah, like you know what I mean. And I think I think Rashid Wallace was fine. I'm not sure if Marshawn Lynch was. But the funny thing about well, that, like,
1: why would you want to force somebody to go on television like that? Where they're just gonna say that so that they don't get fined, but like you're forcing, like what does that do for your your team or for that player? Like I don't get it. That's what I'm saying. If they don't want to be in public eye, like who if, will it? Could it hurt their career or their promotions? Probably not so much their career, but it will hurt their promotions and stuff. But that's their choice. And some people don't
0: want promotions. Some people just want to play basketball and go home. Yeah. Like you
1: know what I mean, and so or whatever sport it is. Um, and because to, it's about the sport for them, not necessarily the money. Exactly, and, for,
0: for, and to piggyback on what my wife said, there is a huge difference between getting in front of a and get in front of people and talking, and getting in front of people and doing something that you know you're one of the best at. Some people don't like speaking. A lot of a lot of athletes are introverts. Like you know what I mean? Eminem's an introvert. He's one of the greatest rappers of all time, and he and he's a great performer. And, like, we've seen him in movies, and he's an introvert. He doesn't leave his house. He comes in, doesn't, and, like, you know what I mean? So, like, there's obviously something going on there. So, yeah, he can perform. He just doesn't like being around people. Yeah. There's, a, there's a huge difference between being in front of people and performing in, in like, public speaking. There's a huge difference. And if you've ever seen Eminem, like, giving a, a, um, a speech for an award, he looks awkward as hell. Like, he yeah. doesn't want to be up there. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I mean, so, so fuck y'all. <laughs> but um, I also want to say, so Naomi Osaka put out a response to it on Twitter, excuse me, on Instagram, saying, "Hey everyone, this isn't a, a situation I ever imagined or intended when I posted it a few days ago." I think now the best thing for the, I think now for the best thing for the tournament, tournament, the other players and my well being is I withdraw so that everyone can get back to focusing on the tennis and going on, going, going on a pair. Excuse me. I never wanted to be a distraction, and I accept that my timing was not ideal and my message could have been clearer. More importantly, I would never trivialize, um, trivialize mental health or use, it to use the term lightly. The truth is that I've suffered long bouts of depression since the US Open in 2018, and I have, and I have had a really hard time coping with that. Anyone that knows me, anyone that knows I'm an introvert, Anyone that knows me, oh, knows I'm intro. Excuse me. And anyone that has seen me in all tournaments will notice that I'm often wearing headphones as, as that helps dull up my social anxiety. Though the tennis press has always been kind to me, and I want to apologize to all the cool journalists who may have, who I may have hurt. I am not a na- natural public speaker, and get huge waves of anxiety before I speak to the world's media. I, I get really nervous and find it stressful to always try to engage and give the best answers I can so here in paris i was already feeling vulnerable and anxious so i thought it was better to exclude exercise self-care and skip the press conferences i announced it preemptively because i do i do feel the rules are quite outdated um in parts and i wanted to highlight that i wrote privately to the tournament apologizing and saying that i would be more than happy to speak to them after the tournament as slams are intense i'm going to take some time away from the court now But when the time is right, I really want to work the tour uh, to discuss ways we can make things better for the players, press, and fans. Always hope you are doing well and staying safe. Love you guys. I'll see you when I see you. Heart emoji. I also want to point out that a lot of people have come out and spoke to her. Uh, Serena Williams, Russell Wilson, Steph Curry, back Naomi Osaka in the French Open. Uh, I'm trying to find it. uh, one of the quotes in general. Okay. The only this is from um, Serena Williams. The only thing I feel is that I feel for Naomi. I feel like I wish I could give her a hug right now because I know what it's like. Like I said, I've been to those I've been in those um positions. And you've actually talked about that as well with um Serena Williams having it when they had issues with her cat suit when she was using it for blood clots.
1: Yeah. Um, that was a big scandal because she wore a cat scoot suit and they decided that they thought that was inappropriate and I was like, but wearing a tennis skirt where half of your ass is about to hang out and like every time you move your skirt flies up. That's appropriate. What is the difference Like, what is the real true difference other than... Yeah. I, like, I never... There's no advantage. There's no... They just wanted something to bitch and complain about because they want these women to always be in tiny little skirts and tank tops. Like you'll never see them either bitch and complain about what the men are wearing (laughs) ever. They won't be like, Oh, his shorts are too short or his shorts are too long. Or he's wearing pants or he's like, it's always got something to do with women and, and how the public wants to perceive them. The fact that they told her she couldn't wear a cat suit is absolutely ridiculous. And why?
0: Yeah.
1: What's the reasoning?
0: (laughs) So, uh, uh, sports apparel giant Nike expressed support for Osaka, one of its um, um, iconic collaborators. Um, they said, our, support, our thoughts are with Naomi. We support her and recognize her courage in sharing her own mental health experience. So Nike knows, like, hey, we should pro- Either Nike is... Sin- I hope the person who did this is sincere, but they're probably just kind of like, uh, we should probably not, like, say anything. We should probably just be happy to, you know, that she's still with us and not doing that. Uh, we also have uh jamila jamil from the good place um and she goes one way to prove that a young woman is wrong is wrong to want to protect her mental health from the media is for the media to spend a week bullying her character assassinating her and calling her names i'm not sure i've ever seen a clearer faster vindication um and this i want to read this and then we can move on uh jamila jamil on her official uh Instagram page said, "In the final week of mental, in the the final week of Mental Health Motherfucking Awareness Month, the way Naomi Osaka has been treated has highlighted far too many media outlets, not just the tabloids, but mainstream media, as parasitic beyond all belief. One would think, after the past year of raising awareness around violence against Black Black people and Asian people, Naomi is both. We might act with a modicum of respect for someone's delicate disposition." When someone publicly opens up about serious mental illness and how they are being harmed, surely we have learned by now not to double down on that harm. The media is dying. It is dying because social media gave both public figures and also non-public figures an outlet to tell their story in the world in their own words on their own time. It is because of this that the rise of inflammatory clickbait culture um, has spread across all media, something more esteemed outlets use to shit shit on the tabloids over. Uh, sex doesn't sell anymore, so it has been swiftly replaced with outrage and fear mongering. That's what sells. That's what sells and travels now. So that's what journalists are at large. Sorry, I'm not good to those guys out there who really wants to report what's really happening in the world. But you get the idea. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I like that. I, I love not even like I love that so many people have been coming out and saying all the things that they have that they said. Um. Shout out to her. I hope that she continues to do that. And I love it. Uh, and finally, hey NBA fans, calm the fuck down. Y'all are, fucking idiots. Stop run- y'all are fucking idiots. Stop running on the court. Stop throwing popcorn at people. Stop throwing water bottles on someone just because they disrespected a fucking mascot on the court. And a fun fact, you're not a player. They're not paying you. Calm the fuck down. Kyrie Irving is a dick, but guess what? When he was here, y'all were cheering on him. So what he fucking rubbed his foot on a fucking cartoon character. It's not that fucking serious. Calm the fuck down. And then for the people who are um hazing John Morant's parents in the stands, double fuck you guys. His parents were his parents are proud of their son doing what he's doing and doing it at the highest level possible. And you guys are throw and you guys are hazing hazing him? Nah, miss me
1: with that shit. Y'all can also go fuck yourselves too. Uh, people have this like this strong belief that they have the right to say or do whatever they want to, like, celebrities, athletes, like, whatever, just simply because, um, but they don't really, these are people, too, they're people, they're fucking human beings, like, why, A, would you do something like that, and B, why would you think that it's okay, also, I feel like the pandemic has brought out the absolute worst in a lot of fucking people. And it's mm-hmm. caused people... Well, it's not even just the pandemic. It was this pandemic and our president's... This past...
0: Fuckboy Presidency.
1: Like... Where people now feel like they can say and do whatever the fuck they want because it's their right to because they're Americans and blah blah blah. It just shows even more often how fucking selfish we are as a country and how completely ignorant we are as a country. And how fucking spoiled and self righteous, privileged,
0: and, and entitled,
1: entitled. We that that like this country is to think that it would be okay ever in a million years to huck a water bottle at someone just because you fucking feel like it, mm-hmm. because you think it's okay to hate somebody like that. I hope these people are people need to be like prosecuted. That's what needs to happen. Like they need to be like he should. That person should be charged with assault. With uh, with an intent to do bodily harm. It's water you, bottle. It's heavy. You know you're going to hurt them if you hit them. Like, but you're still doing it because you think it's fucking funny. And they should have their day in court and they should go to jail. Like, fuck that. I don't care. Like, you, nobody has the right to put their hands on anybody else, no matter who the fuck they are.
0: Keep your hands to yourself. Keep your body to yourself. Yeah. Um, it's none of
1: your business. If it's not for you, then don't don't fucking do it.
0: We um also have, and so I'm and If then, one of
1: those players turned around and did the same thing to one of those motherfuckers, what do, what the fuck do you think would happen? Oh, you, do you know about the Malice on the Palace? I don't know There was is. a
0: There was a giant brawl between the Indiana Pacers and the Detroit Pistons. A fan threw a water bottle at Ron Artest, and it hit him. So you know what Ron Artest is? He threw it back. No, he went up in the stands and beat the shit out this kid. I mean, I
1: would have did that too, but he'd probably get sued then afterwards, right?
0: No, he got fine. They find him and suspended him, and it was like it turned into a giant brawl in the in Detroit Pistons' um, palace of Auburn Hills. It was a whole thing, and someone brought out that it was like these people who are doing this haven't lived through that, not realizing that these M- these NBA players are people too. You may think that they give a shit about that, but a lot of them are just like, "I'll take the fine."
1: No, you know what I mean. Well, and, well they also tend to forget because they're celebrities and shit that these people come from places where you get fucked up for less than that, and. Like you like to say always, a lot of people who have never been punched in the face don't mm-hmm. know how to shut the fuck up until they get punched in the face. Like you can tell by looking at somebody whether or not they've been punched in the face. You can
0: tell face. by their act, and you can tell by the look, of the way they, uh, the way they look, and you can tell by their actions how motherfuckers have been punched in the face. Like that asshole who was driving in the, uh, riding his bike in and out of traffic to the point that cars didn't even want to drive because he was swerving. This idiot was swerving so hard he hit a car. <sighs> So I called him a bad word, and um, I actually got his attention and called him a bad word, and kept driving. Maria kept driving. Uh, anyway, lastly, I just want to say before we get into the, the last, this there's a fan who was sitting behind Fifty Cent, yes, and spit at an NBA player. And <laughs> Joe Budden, same said, thing with spit is assault. Spit is assault. Now something, someone said something really funny.
1: I fucked somebody up if they spit on me. I don't care if I was a slut. I would have turned around and fucked that person up. So
0: someone brought up a really good point. That person is lucky that spit didn't hit $0.50 or his girlfriend. Because 50 would have grabbed him and thrown him into the
1: car. I would have fucked him up. Yeah. If I saw somebody trying to even spit at a play, I would have been like, are you fucking stupid? Like, again, these are people. They're fucking human beings. You don't get to just treat people like garbage because you fucking feel like it. That is not hazing. It's not fucking cute. It's not... I don't give a fuck who you are. It's inappropriate to do something like that to another fucking human being. People tend to think, like I said, that because someone is a celebrity or somebody is famous or whatever, an athlete, that they have the right to treat them any way they see fit. Because I pay for you to have this career. No the fuck you don't. Some rich old white dude pays for his career, not you. (laughs) You pay for a fucking $30 ticket or whatever. Or if you're down lower, you pay for a whatever it either which way does not give you the right or the license to fucking do fucked up shit to people to talk shit to someone's parents to spit at somebody to throw a bottle to fucking push people to try to hit people like you like they are people too they have feelings they have thoughts yep. they have whatever and people tend to lose sight of that and separate individuals from the fact that they're humans too, like, that they are normal people, too, whether you have money or not, whether you play a sport or not, you are a fucking person, I don't understand it, it's just, like, I don't understand people who get mad when celebrities don't want to take pictures with them, because they're fucking, they're off, leave them the fuck alone, they're
0: eating dinner, they're with their kids,
1: yeah, they're, like, with their family, they're with their kids, like, why the fuck are you in their face, let them enjoy their life. Like, give me, oh, it's a, I don't understand. I'm your fan. So the fuck what? Being a fan does not give you license to do whatever the fuck you want. I
0: got a really good story. So, a friend of the show, Paul, was, he was walking to a bar one day and he happened to see Chris Evans. And, like, he had his head, like, he had his hat on, he had a hood on. And Paul happened to look over and see him and realized who it was. And Chris Evans looked at him like, oh shit. So, Paul just nodded and kept on moving. Mm -hmm. Because he could, he could read the room, but, like, he looks like he was supposed to have a beer. Let me leave, yeah. let me
1: leave this guy the fuck alone. People don't understand the concept of leaving people the fuck alone because no. we we created again we created a society where it's okay to invade someone's privacy simply because they're famous.
0: To what to what um, <laughs> Jamil said like. Now that people have access to these people, they're like, Well now I have access to you. I can say whatever I or whatever you want. And fun fact for you, saying whatever you want is you do have the freedom to do that. But right. you also have to remember there are consequences to your to, actions. Yep. So
1: And if somebody throws something at me, I'm fucking their whole shit up.
0: And let me tell you, if you throw something at my wife, you better be hope you better hope I'm the one who gets you because she, you're not gonna like how she's gonna respond. I'll just I'll just beat you till I, you can't move. I mean
1: I think that's <laughs> the reaction with a lot of people even nowadays. But the the fun, even funnier part is a lot of these people are soft now too, and they think it's cute, but then don't realize like I said because they've never been punched in the face or they've never had to live that life that you know. Like where you do dumb shit, you, you gonna get you're gonna catch hands. Like people are gonna be upset. I had somebody in traffic try to check me, like pull over on the opposite side of the road and then have the nerve tell me I don't know how to drive because they rolled through a stop sign at a four-way stop because they they I have the right of way. Nope, that's not how a fucking four-way stop works. But this little ass dude and his friends like, him and his friends and his girl thought they were going to pull up to my car. They were probably, like, 20-something years old. I drive a Hyundai Elantra, so they were like, oh, this bitch ain't going to do it. Pulled up to my car, started to talk shit to me. I rolled down my window and said, you can shut the fuck up. Suck a whole bag of dicks. You tried to roll through a stop sign. You're mad because I didn't let you cut, cut me off. And I said, if you want, I can smack the shit out of you and your girl and your boy in the backseat. I don't give a fuck. Get the fuck away from me. He looked scared afterwards, threw his car in reverse, went in the complete opposite lane, and then took a right-hand turn to get away from me because he thought he was going to pull up to my car because I'm a woman that is older, and he doesn't understand. I come from an era where we will fuck you up. (laughs) Yep. Like, I'm not that kind of chick. I'm not like these other people. I come from a place where if, if somebody comes at me like that, Like I'm going to punch you in the fucking face and people don't, these kids especially don't understand that because they're mad fucking soft now but they think that they can talk shit because they think they're hard but they don't recognize just because I don't look like I'm in the streets anymore doesn't mean that I won't fuck your shit up.
0: Y'all fucked with the right one.
1: Yeah, no. (laughs) You fucked with the wrong one. They thought they were going to be cute and then they looked like they were going to piss their pants. His girl literally put her head down so fast. She was like, oh fuck. And he just like, and his friend turned the other way. I was like, I will smack the shit out of every, we doing this? You getting out of your car? Are we doing this right now? I never saw a grown man fucking back up so fast in my fucking life because he thought he was going to come at me and I was going to be okay with it. Just like those fucking kids that ran after my car for no fucking reason in the middle of the night while I was driving home as I was coming to a red light. They ran at my car pretending like they were going to, Bodily harm me, two fucking white 20-something-year-old year kids in a part of, in West Roxbury, I'm just gonna say it, where people are known to be racist as fuck, who say and do racist shit, even though they don't think that they're racist, you're gonna run at my car, it's 11.30 at night, it was after I dropped you home, there's nobody else out. They literally made it a point to look at me because they were trying to intimidate me and run at my car as there was a red light, not knowing, all right, we're doing this. Like, okay, you want to play that game with me? You think you're going to be cute? Bang on my car, try to scare me? Nah, not today, bro. Literally slammed on my brakes before I got to the red light, threw that bitch in reverse right at them. Motherfuckers ran in the other direction. You picked the wrong fucking one. Oh, you'll fuck with the right one tonight. I don't, this is what I don't <laughs> understand about people. Like... If people are... Mind your own fucking business. Like, stop being fucking extra. Stop... It's, It's... The society we live in now is full of people who think they can do and say whatever they fucking want with no consequences. Yep. But then get upset when consequences happen. Don't be mad because you came at me and then couldn't handle what you got when you did. And I have this happen quite frequently because, again, people think they can say and do whatever the fuck they want. And I've had it happen in work. I've had it happen out in... During the day, I've had it happen in bars and clubs and whatever because people are like, oh, she's a woman. And especially because I'm a woman of color, people think that they can say and do whatever they fucking want to me. I don't think so. I don't let people disrespect me. And somebody made the point it was separate from you. Well, what if that person actually came at you? Well, I mean, if I die, I die. I don't give a fuck. I am not going to let another human being feel like they can simply disrespect me because I'm a woman or because I am of color or because I am older or if, because of whatever, because they think that they have some kind of power to do that. I, it, I feel like if I back down, that makes people feel like they can, they can pursue me even more. And if like, I like stand like up for myself. Him, yeah, so now
0: they're like, Oh, I can fuck with this person. So now let me go fuck with the yeah, next person. And
1: if I, if I, I protect myself and I stand up for myself Nine times out of ten, motherfuckers back down. Immediately. I've had it happen several times. Ta- men and bars being pissed off that I don't want their number. Oh, you now th- you're going to try to, oh, you shit stang- to me? Oh, you
0: a stank bitch, so fuck you too. Yeah,
1: really? Because you wanted the stank bitch two fucking minutes ago. I've literally, I've clown dudes in front of full fucking bars i've had my male friends try to step up and i'm like nope and i put my hand in front of them i have no problem telling this motherfucker where he can go and how he can get there and if he wants to touch me i'll fucking throw hands i grew up with five dudes try me i restrained people for a living fucking try me that and that's what people don't understand either because they don't know you don't know me you don't know where I come from. So, people need to also think about that when they're throwing bottles, spitting at people, fucking harassing somebody's parents. If I was an athlete and somebody was harassing my parents in the stand and I saw that shit, I'd fucking walk in the stands and drag your ass out. I don't give a fuck. It's wrong. It's oh not right. I've, if somebody threw a fucking bottle at me, I would do the same thing as the other dude, I'd fucking chuck it back at you. Hit me first. Oh, it's on now. I have the right now to fuck you up because you're throwing shit at me. You have a weapon. I need to defend myself. Like people,
0: I got to. I got to. I don't know.
1: And I feel like I feel like like I said these last like four years, like two years, four years, whatever. It's just gotten progressively worse, and with the pandemic, it's gotten even more progressively worse. Instead of people, you know, taking the time, some people did, and you know, they, you know, they did like a self-love journey and they are thinking about the way that they approach things and do things there are a lot of assholes who spent their time you know learning how they should be more of a piece of shit or <coughs> how to be a bigger complete selfish piece of shit than they were you know two three years ago like this society man is just Things are progressively getting better in some senses, while in other senses we are backtracking like a motherfucker because mm-hmm. there are still people who think that being a piece of shit is acceptable. Here's a good one for you. Um,
0: this happened uh, seven years or seven years ago. Wale, tw- well, Wale, uh, who's a rapper, punches Twitter heckler in the face for talking smack at Monday Night Raw.
1: That's what I'm saying.
0: So here it goes. Uh, so this. Person, I bet you that
1: person never got punched in the face before. I bet you they'll never do that again.
0: So so <laughs> so this person said, "Did Wale just walk past me? Nah, b. He better come catch. He better come catch this. Collect this fade. I got a rock bottom Wale for all my Cali brat who hate him as well." Details are still emerging from the situation, but it's being reported that the two are back uh, are back at their seats and enjoying the rest of DC show. A short video of the incident has surfaced with. Uh, the Lotus power bomb here. Uh, also, heckler responded, said he didn't do anything. But word in the street is that while they fucked this, duck, approached him was like, "The fuck you doing?" Mm-hmm. My favorite particular incident was coming back from um, picking me up from the bar, and this stupid Escalade truck was like swerving at your car, trying to be funny. Mm-hmm. And you, knowing 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 how I am, slowed down, let the person go. They proceeded to slow down and kept doing it, so you sped up, they sped up. So they thought it was cute until they got to a stoplight and he's in the, uh, the other guys in the, passenger, in the driver's seat and I'm in the passenger seat. So we're right next to each other. Him and his girl are laughing. He looks me dead in the face and flips and flips me off. I look at my wife I go, nope. I unhook my seatbelt and open the door. She hooks the seatbelt on because I'm about to bust this dude's ass. He realizes I'm about to get out the car and speeds through the light because he didn't want them fucking problems.
1: That's what I mean. Like, exactly. Like, what was the fucking purpose of that? Other than to be a piece of shit. I wasn't trying to race him. I didn't want to. You slowed down. He was down. trying to force me to, like, I don't know, fucking want to race him. I literally purposely slowed all the way down so he could completely pass me. Then he slowed all the way down just to be a piece of shit. All right, we're doing this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Fuck people. I, this is why I hate people. This is why people are introverted. Because nobody knows anything about personal fucking autonomy and space and fucking not being a piece of shit. This is why I hate people and I hate leaving my home. I understand being introverted. It's something I fucking feel like I'm becoming very much so because humanity is just filled with trash, trash pandas everywhere.
0: (laughs) Uh oh, all right everybody thank you very much uh this is at the end of old, ba- old man wait show next up we have miss telekinesis herself talar
2: hi everybody this is talar coming your way we've got a lot to talk about today so i'm just going to jump right into it for you whether you're in the car driving or wherever you're listening to this thank you so much i feel honored to be playing through your speakers right now all right so we're gonna go sports angle here which is my area of expertise. Um, The Boston Celtics, obviously, a few days ago, whenever you're listening to this, shook up their front office space. We have Brad Stevens is now the president of basketball operations, which I think, personally, is where he's going to be best suited. The man's a cerebral mind. I'm all about it. Which leaves a head coach opening. Now, Danny Danny Ainge, as we know, has retired. And it's up to the Celtics to decide what direction they want to take the team in as far as head coaching. We do have a few options. We have Chauncey Billups. We know Chauncey Billups. If you're not familiar, Chauncey Billups was in fact drafted by the Boston Celtics way back when, and then he was traded, and then it came back to bite bite us in the ass, like all things usually tend to do with this organization. (sighs) Love him for it, though. For some reason, love him. Um, he is in the mix. I I like Chauncey as as um a candidate. I think he's he's qualified. I think he's equipped. Uh, I, I think he would be great. He was Mr. Big Shot for a reason. He, I, I've seen him in per- live in person play play when he was on the Pistons. He's really something. Uh, we have Lloyd Pierce. He's in the conversation. He was let go earlier this year by Atlanta. I don't necessarily love love the idea of him, considering that after his departure, the Hawks w- under Nate McMillan managed to elevate. And now they're in the second round. Uh, b- I believe so. By the time you're listening to this, they probably will be there. They are. Yes, they are in the second round. Um, so I don't love that. Uh, we have Juan Howard as a candidate. He was on Miami for a bit. Liked him. He's in Michigan. He's with uh, that college team. He's doing some good stuff over there. We love to see him prosper. Um, you know, Kenny Atkinson's a candidate. I liked what he did with the Nets, but obviously, you know, things got a little weird when Kyrie and KD got there and and um, he didn't last very long with with those guys both there. And that brings me to... And Sam Cassell, obviously. Yes, no, let's talk a second about this. Because uh, as a Bostonian, we know Sam Cassell. We love Sam Cassell. Sam Cassell helped us win our 2008 NBA championship here in Boston. If you're not familiar with it, get familiar with it. And he was a backup point guard. He won number 28. He was a huge part of the reason that team won because it didn't really look like it much at the time, but he provided stability for Rondo and he was on the bench. He provided leadership. He he was a floor general. He was experienced. He knew what he was doing. And it is something the Celtics kind of lack a bit in that spot. I love Kemba. I think, I think the world of Kemba, but the Celtics are lacking in that spot. So it would be, he is currently a assistant, uh, under Tai Lu out in the Clippers organization. I believe. Unless he moved to Philly under Doc. I don't think he did though. I will get back to that at a later i I'm getting I'm getting a mixed up. I'll get back to that. But no he, he actually did move to the Sixers with um Doc Rivers. So he's in Philly. Uh he's super qualified has a Obviously he won that 08 title with the guys and so he has and Danny is the GM. He has ties to the organization. He was good to the organization. Organization was good to him. You know, we would love we would love to see it. I, I'm I'm for Sam Cassell being the head coach. I think he would he would he would be great. Um he's not my personal pick, and we're gonna get right into my personal pick. My personal pick for head coach of the Boston Celtics moving forward is the one and only Becky Hammond. Uh, her name's going to get tossed around a lot. She gets tossed around um, the name for every head coaching position that has opened up in the league since 2014 when she decided she, um, to hop on Greg Popovich's coaching staff and and she had retired from the WNBA. I'm going to give you guys all a background on Becky Hammond if you're not familiar with her because a lot of people aren't. I Because I'm a basketball junkie that extends way past the NBA WNBA, college it, it extends to all depths of basketball men women non-binary what have you uh becky hammond is a six-time WNBA all-star she is a bronze medalist for russia she is of russian heritage she is american naturalized citizen born and raised here she is was drafted by the new york liberty and she was undrafted in 1999 in the WNBA. she went to the new york liberty and then found a nice little niche for herself in san antonio under the san antonio stars which are no longer a thing but they were at the time and she was a baddie all right um becky hammond was point guard i believe she's about five to six which puts her about three inches taller than me uh and she doesn't look that big on screen so i don't know how much that says about me personally but (laughs) she is she was awesome when she played reminded me a lot of um Isaiah Thomas or Kyrie in a sense that she can, she could contort her body to fit through those tight spaces draw those fouls get to the rim did what she had to do um and was that floor general I, I watched her play plenty she was my favorite at one point um I mean Candace Parker was my favorite but she was she was definitely up there I, I loved watching her play. I thought she was tremendous. She really took command of the space she was in. She was everything her teams needed her to be and more. Um, and I, I wish that more people gotten the, had gotten the opportunity to watch her play because when she was at her height, at her peak, I mean, the WNBA was not being broadcast the way, the way it is now, um, even the last few years. Ten years ago, you wanted to watch women's basketball, you had to find some type of live stream, you had to do something else. It just wasn't the way it is now um so I find myself fortunate that I was able to even watch a bit of her uh please go look up her highlights please go um read more about her and invest yourself in her she is tremendous um she Greg Popovich trusts her they all her players think the world of her because she is such a basketball mind she's just like Brad in that sense where she's she's a basketball junkie her brain is all basketball all the time if you've never watched her coach, I highly recommend you, you try to find some clips of that as well because Becky Hammond doesn't just stand there and um you know, scan her surroundings and just kinda look back. And that's not a knock at, at anyone. I think that's a very valid way of coaching. I, I personally would probably be like, like that if I was a coach. Um, be more cerebral in that sense. I'm not much of a not much of a yeller as far as, you know, screaming from the sidelines, but if you watch her um, she has those moments and she when she yells at her guys or she's in a huddle. She takes complete command and control of that huddle and you shut up and you listen to her. Uh, she coached Jason and Jalen on Team USA. They are familiar with her. They know her. They like her from what I, I know. Um, she respects her guys. Her guys respect her. She's about 35 years old. She's still very much in touch with... Um, you know, she's not too old. She's not too young. She's kind of like right at that age. She's younger than Brad. And I think that this provides a fantastic opportunity. And obviously people are going to be like, oh, well, the Celtics are just going to hire a, a woman because it'll look good for, for them as a team and an organization. Uh, I think we have to be careful with that line. This is not, that's not, um, from what I know, the reason Becky would want the job. And that's not a reason any woman w- would want Becky to have that job. Becky Hammond should get that job because she deserves that job. The case in point, she deserves that job. She's worked for that job, and I can't think of a more stable situation for her to come into, um, with two two stars and a superstar in Jalen Jason. And you can make a case that Jalen is Jalen's getting there. Um, locked up for years. They're they're locked up. Your pieces are ready to go. You have a smart, cerebral GM. Um, or a bat- President of Basketball Ops in Brad Stevens, Mike Zarin, who, if you're unfamiliar with, is Danny Ainge- was Danny Ainge's right-hand man. He is the math guy, assistant general manager. Uh, he is extremely talented at what he does. Very smart, capologist type of dude. Puts all the numbers together, makes the trade work. Uh, he is going to be right by Brad Stevens' side. Obviously, Danny Ainge is just a phone call away if he needs advice. Grosbeck, great owner. We know him. We love him. We have a very stable organization in Boston, and um, the the city has been, you know, from what's been said about the city and what have you. I can't speak to that. I haven't had those experiences to speak to. Um, but I can say that as a woman, um, overall, as a country, we have a lot of work to do. And I am ever since this news came out of Becky Hammond potentially, you know, being in the mix for head coach which is a big deal uh i've been seeing things on twitter and it's not a lot thankfully but it's enough and i can't help but wonder how many of them are actually 12 year old boys don't you have homework to finish and how many of them you know the comments the comments of go back go back into the kitchen shouldn't she be making me a sandwich what is she doing on the court or some of my personal favorites which are um she has no business trying to coach these men. They're never going to listen to her. They won't even listen to Brad. Why would they listen to a woman? Sir. Just say you hate women and move on. That's, I mean, come on. What is that? Seriously, what What the fuck? Like, what is that? Who says that? They're not going to listen to her. They won't even listen to Brad. No, nah, just sh- shut up. Sit down. Celtics don't want you. Mm-mm, absolutely not. Um... It's possible that the Celtics tuned out Brad. Sure, maybe. Maybe the coaching style didn't work for the team. And that's valid. And that's fine. And guess what? It could be that Becky Hammonds does. It could be that Becky approaches the game in a different way. And she probably does than Brad. Similar, but with their distinctive differences. She is not the same in the sense of I think Brad is more mild-mannered. I think he's he's less temperamental. I think Becky is more passionate. She is more fiery. But she... Maybe not enough to get tossed from a game. I haven't watched her c- to coach enough to really come to that conclusion. But I can tell you that um, Becky would definitely keep her head on her shoulders. And I think she parallels um, the Jays very well, actually, in their um, temperaments. I think that she has enough poise and composure to keep everything together and to keep that level headedness that Jason has. But enough fire passion within her to understand the Marcus Smarts and the Jalen Browns and especially on the court her experience as a player she played overseas a lot which a lot of WNBA players do because their season is shorter they don't get paid as much money their revenue's not as high they're not making millions of dollars they go overseas and they make you know they'll make a hundred thousand dollars overseas playing basketball maybe you know not nearly as much here playing basketball and that's changing, and hopefully that continues to trend in the right direction. But uh, Becky understands all aspects of this. She's been a bronze medalist in the Olympics, so she's an Olympian. She understands being a player and an all-star. She understands the weight of a proper organization on your shoulders. The Spurs and the Stars were under the same organ. You know, they're the same. They, um, the, the Spurs were there male counterparts i mean that's just what it was um the celtics are no-nonsense organization they don't put up with things they are traditional organization Uh, i think the fit for becky is actually pretty perfect i think she could slide in seamlessly with this group um i don't want uh, as much as the listen the logistics will look good right i mean from a pr perspective it's june it's pride month let's hire the first Female coach in the in the NBA, and she I she has a wife and she's gay, so let's let's do that. How good would that look for the Celtics? That's not what any of this is about. Um, and I can't help but say these things because I know the narratives that would come out. You know, let's say they hire her in June, and those are narratives that get pushed out. And those are not narratives that. Why does your mind go to that first thing? You know why why is that why isn't it Hey, they hired a good. Coach, it doesn't matter what your gender is. They hired someone who knows what they're doing. Um, I, I will, I have advocated for Becky Hammond to get a head coaching job for years. It, and again, it's purely because I've watched her and I understand her and I understand the way she coaches and I think she is one of the most remarkable coaching minds we have. And she's the best qualified assistant coach in the NBA. I don't care. I don't, I don't care. Like, yes, Sam Cassell. Yes, you have some of these guys on these benches. Becky Hammond has been under Greg Popovich's umbrella since 2014. She has all this playing experience. This woman needs an opportunity to show you that. And it's the weight of the world when she gets that job, whenever that's going to be, because it's going to happen. Because, unfortunately, it's going to set a precedent for if she fails, the perception is going to be, Maybe it was too soon. Maybe we did, we should have gone with the guy. But I don't think there's anyone better qualified to hold the weight of the world on their shoulders for a job like this than her. I think she fully understands what comes with it. She fully understands that, yes, I want to be a head coach in the NBA. But with that, because I'm a woman, comes X, Y, and Z. And unfortunately, unfortunately, that's what it is. There are things that come with it. There are there are unspoken things. There are way people ways people talk to you. There are questions journalists will ask will ask you. There are um, people fans will look at you in a certain light. Will think of you differently. It's, it doesn't extend purely to the NBA. This is all women across all industries, across all sports, across everything you know female actresses get asked different questions than male actors do look up anything you'll you'll see it it's terrible um in tennis serena williams get gets you know has gotten asked things and you just shake your head and you're like what are you doing man you know you wouldn't ask lebron that question like what do you I, i it doesn't make any sense or you wouldn't ask roger federer that question to make it a more sport accurate thing So, yes, Becky Hammond would have the weight of the world on her shoulders with this job. Becky Hammond knows this. Becky Hammond is going to be great at this. And I can't think of anyone the Celtics should go after harder than her. I think it's set up perfectly for her to succeed. She's got the pieces in place. She's got the organization in place. Just slide in and go. You know? They do need a... They need to figure out the point guard position. I'm sorry, I love Kemba Walker, but that knee, man. I, they need to do something. I don't. I'm not sure if the stretch provision is still a thing in the current CBA, but they need to figure something out because he, he it's just not working. And as much as I love Marcus Smart, um, Fournier was an amazing pickup. Jason, Jalen, they need a point guard, and and they need you know in. Again, Becky Hammond's a point guard. Sam Cassell, again, I can slide him in too. Sam Cassell was a point guard in the NBA. They understand that position fully. And Brad Stevens was a point guard too. But Brad Stevens' brain works a little differently, I think. You know, he was a fantastic head coach. Fantastic. One of the best. And to say his or Danny's tenure. Um, in their respective positions was unsuccessful would be just l- mocking them and laughing in the face of the Celtics organization and what the players have done over that span because those teams overachieved for what they were, um, especially those Isaiah Thomas teams. But they did what they had to do and they got further than, any- than anyone thought they were going to. And a lot of that, yes, it came down to coaching, but it also it came down to the players and those players, Danny got that coaching, Brad took care of. And it came down to heart, and those guys had heart. Um, and I mean, Isaiah Thomas was a big heart. You know, he was a big, big part of those teams. The, what I want to see going forward with the Boston Celtics coaching staff is I want to see some diversity. So, yeah, obviously, I want Becky. Um, I loved Kara Lawson. I, met, I was fortunate enough to meet her in Las Vegas, and I asked her for a photo. She was sitting behind me. And this was when she was Brad's assistant, and she was sitting behind me, and I was like, "Can I have a photo?" I used to watch you, you're a Sacramento Monarchs, you point guard, and she looked so su- surprised, and she was like, "Me? Like you want a picture with me? Like I can't believe that." Uh, and then she got that head coach coaching job at Duke uh, for the women's team, and I couldn't be happier for her because she was so awesome. And I, um, you know, I-, I saw Swin Cash at, at um, if you're not familiar with her, you should look her up too. I saw her at-, at Vegas Summer League. She was behind me. She was a scout for the New Orleans Pelicans. She knows what she's looking for. Swim Cash is awesome. You know, these are all women I watched growing up. And now they're making their way in the NBA as scouts and um, assistant coaches and things like that. And I couldn't be happier because it's it's showing me that the game is evolving and it's growing. And it's it's becoming a better place to be for everybody. Um, I have seen Carol Lawson, speaking of her name, get tossed around. I think she's a little too fresh as far as she just took that Dukehead coaching gig um, I think she has work at Duke she wants to accomplish before anything else. But I, I would, I wouldn't mind it if Brad brought her in and was like, "Let's sit down for an interview." He, she was an assistant coach under him. She's familiar with the Celtics. I think she brought that unique perspective that they really needed of being a player coach. Um, you know, being a player at one point in your life, uh, an Olympian, a medalist, and then being a coach, um, at one point as well. I want to see the Celtics have diverse candidates which I believe is going to happen I want them to have a fair really thorough search with everybody and I want them to make the best decision for the organization there will be input from Jason and Jalen those are cornerstones of your franchise there has to be input at the end of the day just don't hire Jason Kidd. <laughs> the bar's pretty low with that. Don't, just don't hire him. But I really think they have a golden opportunity here to do what's right, um, and hire either, um, an African-American head coach or, or the first female head coach or whoever else that they find who they think is going to fit the, the role well, um. That would be cool, you know, if if it came with breaking some type of glass ceiling, with breaking barriers. But I want my Celtics to hire who's best qualified for the job. Um, I think that's the most important thing out of anything. If it's going to elevate this team, do what you need to do. That's it. What's your plan for this team? Impress me. And then let's go out and do what we need to do for it. Um, There are a lot of candidates there are interesting names it's the draft is july at the end of july uh july 26th i would keep an eye out what's going to go happen before then i expect the search to take at the minimum a few weeks it's going to be a little bit of an exhausting search everyone's interested in the job as far as again good players in place good organization in place great basketball city that's just what it is. You have really important elements that I think people look for. But I think the organization being strong and I think um, the Jays being there is a big draw to people. I if the Celtics hire her, I will buy a custom Becky Hammond Celtics jersey. I'll do it. Absolutely i'll absolutely do she's best for the job and i will will bang this drum until someone somewhere in the nba hires her because a part of me can't help but think if there's some still some type of apprehension across the league of doing it and she's been a finalist for some jobs and i believe she was the finalist for an indiana job last year and they chose someone else who they ended up firing anyway um i'm 99 percent sure It's going to happen, and it's going to happen one day. It's going to happen very soon. I hope that my favorite organization is the one to do it. Uh, If you're unaware, back in the 1960s, the Boston Celtics were the first organization to draft an African-American player. They were the first organization to have an African-American man as their head coach. Um, They have a lot of elements that, you know, they've taken steps in their history to be the first to include people to do things that is in social justice that scare people um and they have a leader in Jalen Brown on the social justice front uh that's super exciting and should excite everyone because he is so smart and I can't wait to see what type of um impact him and Jason are gonna leave on this team next year when they're healthy this you know with the good with the right coach this team's gonna go very far um, I hope some of this rant made sense <laughs> and I hope that, you know, we we all learned a little something, whether it be about Becky Hammond or Sam Cassell or Kemba or what have you. Overall, just let people apply for jobs that they are qualified for. Let the people who are best qualified for the job win the job fairly you know at the end of the day um thank you for listening to this uh go celtics and have a wonderful evening damn it wade